Hello everybody, welcome to this Medical Home Podcast, special recording today, coming from Kingscliff. My name's Tony Lemke, I'm a general practitioner from Austinville, New South Wales, and as always I'm joined by my friend Dan. Hi Tony, it's uh, another podcast today. Today we're going to be talking about the competencies for an optimal primary care team of the future. We've got a special guest with us today, Dan, that's Victoria Stan. Victoria, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Sure. Thanks for the invitation, Tony and Dan. My name is Victoria Stein. I'm the Director of Education and Training of the International Foundation for Integrated Care. And I'm visiting Australia um, as part of an ongoing education and training collaboration that we have with North Coast PHN. Lovely to have you here, Victoria, and you're an expert in all things related to integration. Tony, let's start with what the future optimal general practice team is going to look like because I'm thinking it's not going to be the same building of mostly GPs and a few nurses and um, some admin and reception type stuff. It's going to be a different mix of players for a a patient-centred medical home that's working in a person-centred health system in the future. What do you think the mix is going to be? Yeah, thanks, Dan. They say the future is already here, it's just poorly distributed. And I think we can see what the mix is more likely to be generally by looking at some of the outstanding or the practices a little bit ahead of their time in Australia and also some of the work we see from overseas. And we know that we'll have a more diverse, we'll be dealing with a population that's older with more chronic disease and that will require some new skills, which would include general practitioners, um, practice nurses, nurses working in new roles as care coordinators and case managers. Uh, it may include a number of behavioralists such as diabetic educators and dietitians and exercise physiologists. Um, it may include social workers, clinical pharmacists. There'll be a, a wider range of skills that we're going to need to look after this older, uh, sicker um, population better and also we have to have better skills I think Dan in helping people to self-manage will be teachers as well as healers. And particularly if the, the funding is is tipping more towards paying for bundles of care without prescribing it, it has to be face-to-face contact with the GP there'll be the, the financing system will better adapt to multidisciplinary care which might well be more efficient and even better than relying on the GP to do everything because the GP is the only one who attracts the Medicare dollar. But let's bring Victoria in here. So we've got this multidisciplinary team and uh, you've heard us in the past talking about the patient-centred medical home and and the patient-centred neighbourhood that they're working in, let's assume. But what are the competencies that those individuals need, particularly beyond their core professional identity mm. competencies. So, you know, if I'm a dietitian, okay, I know about d- nutrition and stuff, but etc. But there's other competencies that are needed to make it work as a well-functioning team. Yeah, thank you for the question, Dan. So, first of all, I think you need to realise that competencies are a set of knowledge, skills and attitudes. And as you said, we're really good at training and educating knowledge. So what do I know, the clinical, the technical stuff, and a bit about the how do I do it, so the skill sets that we need to actually perform our um, services. But what we're really bad at and what's also difficult to teach is the attitudes, our values that we bring to our practice and to our service delivery system. 
And this has a lot to do also with, of course, what do I see um, my friends doing, my colleagues doing, my peers and my seniors doing. So a lot of the competencies that we will need in the future will be around being a constant learner, but also a constant teacher. It will also be around understanding that I am part of a multidisciplinary team, so that means I need to be able to communicate with different professions. I need to understand that there is different also definitions for what does quality mean. And we need to work together as a team to define what are our shared um, goals and what are our shared language, um, what is the shared language that we uh, use. But it's also about how do we engage with our patients? How do we engage with our community? So it would be a much more outreaching um, type of person that you would need as part of a patient medical home. And it would also very much more depend upon the, your population needs. So um, for example, in the Netherlands, they have integrated care teams as primary, in primary care, and they are very much um, focused on recruiting those kind of professionals that, are, that service their local needs and the local population better. So some of those may have a focus on di diabetes. Um, some of them may have a focus much more on frailty and others may focus on mental health just because in their GP practice, in their pra practice medical home um, environment, that's what they need. So it's a combination of, of course, the professional and the technical knowledge, but very much more around how do I work together, how do I collaborate, how do I come to a common understanding. So I'm, I'm a generalist, and like most of us GPs, you know, I'm a god in my own lunchbox, and I reckon I do my stuff pretty well. And when I send someone off to someone else, I may not even know much about them, and I really don't know if they can do that gig as well as I could do it. So that doesn't help me want to share the care. Absolutely, and you're touching a really important point here because we will only share care and we will only share information with people we know. So one of the first things that we need to uh, start also introducing is much more in time but also spaces where people, professionals and the community can meet each other and build this kind of trust. So it's very much also around um, accepting that I'm part of a team and that I'm on a par level with all of the other professionals because together we service the community, we service our patients and we will only be able to reach better health and well-being and outcomes for our patients if we work together as a team. So how do, if I'm a practice manager, or and so Tony's a practice owner, how can you help us find the right people to be in our team? Well, do, are those people, do those people exist? I don't, I'm not aware that university, medical entry to university mm. is based on your ability to work as a team, to be a sharing, caring, to be a, a teacher. Uh, that's not the usual criteria. In fact, it's more like someone who's individual, competitive, can work well on their own, can study. It's perhaps the opposite of what mm. you're recommending are the skills and the attitudes that one needs in this new world. Yeah, so I think in the short term for now, for your practice manager, your, um, your lead physician, what you need to look at is to define for your practice, what are the competencies that I need in my team? And there are competency frameworks out there um, which have been developed, which also provide you with guidelines on how do I interview to, get, uh, to find out how people communicate. 
Um, you will also much more use examples of if, if I have a family coming into my practice, a, a child with, um, with, the, with their mother, and they have some issues, how would you communicate? How would you react? Who would you involve? So it's much more around a conversation. Um, it's using a lot more practice examples. And very often, it's, a, it's a, a combination of not only looking at do they have the right certificates, do they have the right grades that I am looking for, but actually how do, I, how do they communicate and how do they react in a case example that I present them with. And in the long term, or medium to long term, we definitely need to change our education and training systems. So we need to include in all of the professions, whether it's health or social care, to have those modules around team-based learning, interprofessional education, so that students from the very beginning get to know what are our different roles and responsibilities and how do we work together in a team. So just coming back to the 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 tin tax of the, the HR function of actually yeah. recruiting these people. I, so I can work through a checklist of the competencies that I'll need in this, in this future practice team, but also there are tools there which align with each of those competencies and how to select those people. So case scenarios, the responses to case scenarios and, and even guides on how to interpret how the person responds. Yes, so a very famous example is actually the WHO World Health Organization, they have um, a competency framework. And so um, also many of the medical universities have frameworks where they say for diagnostics, for patient-centeredness, these are the competencies that you need to look at. You define what is the knowledge, what are the skills, and what are the attitudes. And then they, they also demonstrate you can ask these questions, or this is what you need to look at in a student or in a professional. And then there have been um, also developed exam examples like um, the OSCE, which is basically 12 stations where you let them... That's great for, for the, ed the university, the university assessments, yes. but if, if I'm having a chat with someone because I'm yeah. trying to work out whether I want to employ them in my practice, I can't set up an OSCE. Really? No, but what I, what I would do is, for example, first of all, I would interview them as a team because you're, you're in, in the first place, you're recruiting someone to become part of your team. You're not in the first place re recruiting a nurse, a GP or a dietitian. And then secondly, I would really use patient stories. We had this, we have that. This is something that we usually do. How would you react? Who would you involve? And how would you be part of this team? What is your contribution to the team? And you're not looking for them to answer with what you do now. You're looking for an answer which reflects their ability to adapt to a future model. Yes, yes. So I think one of the difficulties that, that we definitely will face is that um, we will need to be much more flexible. And G whether it's a GP or a nurse, we, we are not anymore on a classic 30, 40 year career path where nothing ever changes and I just do whatever I do every day. We will need to have uh, personalities and we will need to have professionals who accept that they will need to change, they will need to change with technology, but they will also need to change because the patients and the communities want to be involved more actively and they will ask those questions. They will ask to be involved. My experience in doing interviews for staff is you, you you ask them, you know, 
do you like working in teams? And of course they say, yes, I love working in teams and I'm a great team player. <laughs> it's, it's a selection criteria and they write a paragraph. Yeah. I'm a great team player and I've worked in teams doing this and that and we were terribly successful. But I'm terribly doubtful that it really reflects what I'm really looking for. Mm -hmm. Which is why Victoria's proposed a sort of case-based scenarios and seeing how they respond to that and then interviewing them, your team, practice team interviewing them to get... To, to, I guess, to model the behavior that you expect from them. And, uh, yes, exactly. And what you can also do when you look at, in the f in when you prepare for the interview, looking through their CVs and looking at what were their experiences in the past, asking them, okay, I see you've managed a project or you were part of a project. Um, just describe to us, how did you work? How did this, this work out? Did you have any difficulties and challenges? So yes, I agree that, of course, if you ask them, are you a team player, are you flexible? They will say, of course I am. But once you, once you challenge them to, to st tell a story or to answer to a story, that will become much more difficult to play some or play act. Well, thank you, Victoria. You've got the job. Dan, I'm afraid, has it got in your own lunchbox? <laughs> You'll have to look for employment elsewhere. It does raise lots of issues, Victoria. We may need to revisit the physical environment one needs to provide care in a general practice of the future, because it'd be quite different from a corridor with lots of doctor's rooms if we're going to accommodate these sort of teams, if we need a building at all, which is another question as we get into the, uh, the uh, internet communications that our patients are going to demand. But thank you very much for joining us today for this podcast. We'll be back in two weeks with another. And uh, thank you, Dan. Thank you, Victoria. We'll see you later on. Thank you. It was a thank pleasure. You.